Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to a new episode of If My Feet Could Talk. God, it's been a while. I'm your host, Owen Thomas, also known as the Ultra Running Matlow. As I said, it's been a while since I last recorded an episode. Um, I've been busy with work, been busy with family life. Um, so this took a little bit of a step back, but it wasn't going to end. Uh, people have enjoyed my podcast and I've enjoyed creating them. So here's the latest episode. But let's have a bit of a catch up. It's been a while. So uh, since the last episode, I have run past the two year mark. I have currently today run 905 days every day in a row um, today. I've raced a few times and the last race was the UDR 24 hours plus one. um, The weekend just gone prior to this recording. Um, It's a very strict uh, race, lots of uh, rules and stuff. um, The classic as a finisher. And a 0.47 mile lap round a, uh, a banger race, uh, raceway um, track. Didn't quite go to uh, plan. However, I did finish uh, the race, um, even though I vomited and cried uh, at certain points through the uh, horrific stormy weather we had. Um, but I got through it. Um, it's such a fantastic race. It's a shame it was quite possibly only a one-off because the racetrack closes. I have a, a film that's coming out and probably out uh, by the time you can watch uh, watch or hear this. So go check it out on my YouTube channel. So the next milestone is 1,000 days of running every day and that's coming up uh, next year in February. I'm hoping to arrange um, some sort of event to celebrate that with everyone so um, keep an eye out for that as well however let's move on my next guest um, he's a gentleman I met through social media in fact I've got to know him he's a fellow Welshman um, he's sound as hell he had me on his um, podcast the other week so I am reciprocating and like most of my guests we all have uh, stories to tell and he's no different he is a fellow Welshman and a military man he's in the army so I'd like to introduce you to Lee Davies recording in a progress supposedly um, hello mate how are you doing yeah not too bad mate you I'm I'm very well. I'm very well, mate. Uh, you're looking good, obviously. Um, that beard's coming on. Yeah, it's coming back. <laughs> um, how was your run earlier? Good, yeah. So, you know, it's like running in the lo- same location all the time. Um, so we live about 20 minutes from the coast either way. So we can either go to Puthcall, which is like a holiday village, or we can go to Aberavan, which is like a seaside town, but it's not a holiday village. Um, so they were Josh done his first half marathon a couple of months ago. Um, the wind and the sand relentless. So yeah, but it's good to mix it up. Nice. Nice. I mean, you haven't ventured into your woods recently. I've noticed. Um, when was I in the trails? 
Yeah, I was in the trails Thursday. I just haven't recorded anything. Ah, uh, I see. You need to be stay on the trails, but get off those roads. Oh, I'm I'm like eighty percent of my runs are on the trails. Good. Um, when was the last time you were at Breckens? It was three weeks ago. Yeah, three that, weeks. Was ago. that the race? Oh no, that was the Gower race. That was. Cool, cool. So, um, for those of you, obviously, for the listeners and watchers that don't know who you are, just uh, give us a little bit of information about who you are, where you're yeah. from, and what you do, bud. Right, so, my name is Lee Davis, and I hail all the way from the valleys in South Wales, little town called Maestig. Um, I'm currently serving in the British Army uh, in the Royal Welsh. I've been in the Army on and off since 2001. Um, so 20 years with a couple of breaks in between. Um, I like to change my mind. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm, a, I'm an ultra runner and I've got my own running group uh, for basically to encourage uh, positive mental health and well-being through fitness, basically through running. So yeah, that's a bit about me. I, I like to run stupid miles. Not as mad as I win. Um, but yeah. So um, you say you say, I mean you say on and off changing your mind with the army and all that. Obviously, you know um, I've I've done similar. I, I I was a failed matlow once and uh, then a failed civvy and then back again. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've been a failed civvy twice. <laughs> <laughs> so you see, you've already got one up on me on that already. You see, um, but obviously you you said you're from a little little village in the valleys. Um, what was it like growing up as a child? Were you sporty? Yeah, so growing up, until I was 11, there wasn't anything in the valley. So I'm I'm from a town now, but I grew up in a village a couple of miles away, and we didn't have anything. There was a boxing club, um, but until I reached a certain age, my mother wouldn't let me go down to the boxing club. But when I was 11, there was a football team started. Um, so I started playing football um, and then I was boxing training, but then last stop when I was about 13 or 14. Uh, but there was a time where I was doing cross country um, and my, it's a bit, a bit long winded, but my, my grandfather, non-related, non-blood um, used to take me to um, in Virginia and I used to compete in competitions all over South Wales, Forest, I say South Wales, like Forest of Dean, uh, Newport. So yeah, I'd done a bit of travelling when I was a kid. Did you actually like the cross country? Because I hated it in school. Uh, <laughs> I, I was, I found out I was really good at it because um, it was, it came natural to me, I think. Um, and it wasn't forced upon because I didn't, because I didn't fall into it until later. I sort of found my way into it. Um, yeah. And I, I asked, I asked to go, to go into it. So I think it was a little bit different. I suppose, yeah. As I, as I said, with, with many things, if you know, if you don't enjoy it, you're not going to get the best out of it. And if you're forced to do shit, as you know, in the in the military, you get often <laughs> forced to do crap you you, you don't want to do, and you're not you, you're just not going to enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and cross country was one of my things at school. It sort of put me off it. Although I do have appreciation for it, it's probably one of the hardest disciplines. It's horrible in, in, of of running. Yeah, because there's no summer cross country. 
<laughs> yeah, you're right. It's off season, yeah. It's always off season in the winter, breaking the ice and all that sort of stuff. Um, so um, you did that through through your childhood. Was there any family influences in in your sports? Yeah. So like I said there, so to to try and put a backstory to it, when I was younger, my mum split with my um, biological dad um, when I was nearly two. And then I was brought up by uh, a gentleman that had three kids with my mother. His father then um, is the one that got me into cross country. And he's actually a world champion uh, sprinter. So he's won 800 meters. He's won 1500 meters. Um, and all his running PBs have come at the age of 55. So even when I was, so he is 80 born in 1935 he's 86 now and even when I was 13 or 14 I couldn't keep up with him so 20 years ago when when he was in his 60s I couldn't keep up with him so yeah it was always I think that was the catalyst for for running for me is is my brother's granddad and was was he someone that you looked up to then yeah well in that field yeah in, in in the in the running field yeah because as youngsters you don't really have much guidance, especially in the valleys. It's all, it's all theft and crime. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yes, it's a good escape. Were you part of the Valley Commandos? Were you? <laughs> do, do you know what? There's a. Uh, they're actually from my village. <laughs> yeah. G- g- genuinely. So. <laughs> I, I I remember I remember being on uh, a ship with a, a friend of mine. He was a he was a Cardiff boy. He was from Ponty, and um, we used to always always just sort of take the piss out of Valley Commandos and stuff, because you always used to see them about how they were Didn't dressed it? and all that sort of stuff. And then I thought I thought you would have done, and... I thought you've done your research because the village I grew up, Croisero, they actually, um, when the guy sold the boxing gym, they've commandeered it now, and this now the Valley's Commando HQ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my word. That's mad. They, they are some characters, I can tell you that. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Be one one of them, no? Oh no, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not. Um, so uh, when when did you when did you look at obviously uh, joining the army? Um, how old were you? I was so when I was leaving school. Um, school was quite rough for me to be honest. I I was tiny. Um, I'm five foot ten now, but when I was in school, I was f- like five foot two, five foot three. And I found my records for the for the, the army the other day, and it was forty seven kilograms, and Christ. yeah, and like five foot two. So school was rough for me because it was it was littered with bullies. Yeah. Um. So I never I never really knew what I wanted to do when I left school. I had the intentions of going to college and doing a double awarded advanced vocational qualification in engineering, uh, with the hope of joining the RAF as an engineer. When I was 16, I was shopping in Swansea and I seen Royal Electrical Mechanical Engineers in the Army careers window. Yeah, so, yeah. Oh, that, that sounds good. A couple of months later, I'm on Army prep course. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't even know. I, the, the few months was a blur. But yeah, I spent three months doing Army prep course. And you were what, 16? 16, yeah. 16, five foot two? Yeah, tiny. I was you literally... only finished growing. No, forty-seven kilograms. Forty-seven kilograms, and I was like, like I said about the fitness. 
Um, my school was at, at the bottom of a hill. So because I was bullied, I was always first to the top of that hill. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was fit. Um, I ended up coming top student on that uh, military prep course and then went away to um, Arborfield in Ar- Army Technical Foundation College. Oh, and I fucking hated it. <laughs> I, I don't know how I lasted. It was it was joint, joint training, so it was boys and girls. But... You're talking 20 years ago now, um, and training was horrible. I finished phase one, and there was a a wait to start my trade training um, in Borden. There was a nine-month waiting list. I just turned 17 at the time, and all I was going to be doing was guards and duties, so I just pulled the pin. Yeah, because at the age of – those that joining at the age of 16, 17 – in the army, have to go to like the colleges, don't they? What the yeah. Wellington College or whatever the other one, one begin with H in there. There's Harrogate. Yeah, Harrogate. That's it. Yeah. Um, before you actually sort of proper, proper join, isn't it? Yeah. So I left. I got out when I was seventeen, um, and I ended up doing numerous jobs. Ended up working away again in, um, funny enough, in AstraZeneca. I done all the on the suspended ceilings. So I was away for a couple of months, but then I'd split up with a girlfriend that at the time, um, Civvy street wasn't really going the way that I, I planned. And it was always miss something missing. The, mm. the Iraq war kicked off. Um, so that was it. I was, I was down to the careers office and asking which regiment was going to Iraq next. And the, you joined back up. What was that? 2003? 2004. 2004. Yeah. So you were a little bit older by then because you obviously originally joined in 2001. So that's an extra three years. You were about 19. Is that right? Yeah, I was 19. Yeah. A bit more mature, a bit more yeah. strong. Yeah. And then had, I you, had, you, had you actually grown an inch? I was so literally when I'd left for training when I was 16, I was 47 kilograms and five foot two or five foot three. When I come, when I finished training in the June, I was five foot ten. <laughs> when when I come home, like my father, my, yeah, my father, my stepmother couldn't believe it. They're like, "What? What the hell has happened?" I literally went from, and even the boys, the bullies yeah. back home. When I come, when I come back from basic training, yeah, I yeah. shot up. They were like, "Where you now? Now there's strapping young lads, <laughs> you know." Been in the army, yeah. Check yeah. me out. Yeah, yeah. Come I, bet all, me. I bet all three women in your village were after you then, weren't they? <laughs> oh, I wouldn't say. Sorry. I wouldn't say that. So you went back in two thousand and four, um, and you joined which regiment? Royal Regiment of Wales at the time. Yeah, and did you deploy? Yeah, straight to Iraq. Straight so, to Iraq. So finished basic training. Yeah. Done a ten day exercise in the snow. Yeah, <laughs> in Tidworth to prepare for that's good climatization. That's yeah, perfect, here. perfect climatization. Yeah. Um, then a 10-day final exercise, uh confirmation exercise with the regiment, and then deployed then um out to Telex Six. Um and he joined it's te- inf- infantry you joined, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So armored infantry. Armored infantry, yeah. So what's the difference between infantry and armoured infantry for those? Back so it's essentially, um, you've got two different types. You've got um, mechanised or light infantry, which basically you're, you're tabbing on your, on your feet, on your black taxis. 
Um, but armored infantry, we have different types of vehicles. At the moment, it's it's the um, warrior. Essentially, it's a, it's a people carrier. It's a tank. It's not a tank, but it's yeah. an armored fighting vehicle. Carries seven people in the back and crews three. And basically, you jump out of those things. Yeah, so we... In essence, we bombard to the target location. It gets hammered with the 762 and, excuse me, 120 mil rod and cannon. Then we get out at the back and finish anything that's not being killed. All right. So, how was your first tour? Slow. Um, it was a lot of milkshakes, football, and um, yeah, it was chilled. It was no. Um, no, no helmets or anything like that. Um, I ended up getting Kazivaked. I smashed my face in in the back of a warrior. Hence, all this this drama is coming now. Yeah. Is so I've had three facial reconstruction operations. Um, the left hand side, of my face is permanently numb. Um, I ended up going back out on that tour in October uh, after about eight weeks after I've had after I'd had the stitches out. So how how did you smash your face? So essentially, I I I'd had a a jaw um, realignment beforehand um, because when I was in the first time in adventure training, when I was like 16, my I'd knocked my jaw somehow and it'd gone out of line. So I had a, I had one operation before I um, re-initiated the second time. But when I went back out to Iraq, I hadn't even realised that it'd been knocked back out of place. My same age, I was like, what's up with your jaw? I was like, oh, I banged it the other day, but I don't see any different. And he's like, you need to go to the med center. Went to med center. I was on the next hook home. <laughs> Headley Court, yeah, having, yeah, having yeah. emergency surgery. Right. Yeah. And so you had that, you know, you smashed your face in the in, in the back of the vehicle, went got, got sent home. Then what? Um, so after Tenex 6, this was 2005, the end of 2005. We flew home on bonfire night. Funny enough for the army to do that. Um, was pretty much a slow year. Um, just exercises and stuff. I picked up my Lance Corp, went away and done my Lance Corporal course. Um, and then we were getting ready to deploy then on Telic 10 in 2007. Um, and Telic 10 is a complete different ball game. Yeah. So the space of Telic 10, which was 2007, we sustained more casualties as a battle group in that tour than the whole of Iraq combined. Um, and it was a massive eye-opener. I'm actually writing a book about Telic 10 at the moment, so I kept a diary out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's actually here, because obviously I'm in my office, but yeah. it's called um, Iraq, the Gunners' War. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, basically, I'm just turning my diary... I kept daily accounts. I don't know if that's going to zoom or focus. Yeah, yeah. It's not, is it? I kept daily accounts of activities um, for the for the time that I was there, and I'm turning into a book. Not, I'm not publishing. Um, I'm not going to go down that route, but it's going to be like a momentum for my for my daughter, and my my yeah. wife. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I know. Few army friends that have done that from the times in the first Gulf War and all sorts. Um, I think it's quite, it's a good thing. Um, 
keeping diaries of this shit. I mean, even even I've kept diaries of trips away because it's something to hand down. So yeah, when for instance my boy turns around and if he ever has a hissy fit when you know you weren't there or what have you, yeah, when he's old enough he can read the books and he can at least he'll he'll understand what I was doing and the fact yeah. I you know I, I wasn't just deserting him for months on end. Like, That's yeah. it. We got we got social media now and the likes of yeah, YouTube it's and a stuff. Lot easier back, now. Back, back then we didn't have that, did we? So it was it's a it's, lot easier yeah. now. Um, I mean it. It's, you know, on our ships, we've even got Wi-Fi now, so we can at least send a WhatsApp message. Which, yeah, you know, when we first, when I first joined up in '97, we didn't even have a mobile freaking phone. No, you know, um, and we're just about getting emails on board ship, which you know used yeah. to used to be get checked by the by the comms lads in the in the in the comms office before before you you read them. So if your missus sent anything dirty, <laughs> they, they, know about they knew. It. Yeah. So, you know, times have changed and for, for this side of things are a, a whole lot better. But I think there's also something about writing a letter. I still do it. I still write a bluey. The old E bluey. Yeah. Well, not even an E bluey, a proper yeah. bluey. Yeah. You know, um, I think there's something special about writing shit down because I think it's more heartfelt when you receive yeah. it than maybe a text message or what have you. I tell you what, especially like lately, because obviously the medications and stuff are like affecting my um, my thought process and my my speech and my words, get my words out. When I'm writing, you wouldn't even think it's me writing the way I articulate things. It's uh, yeah, it's good. So it's a good release. Yeah. Um. So obviously that was quite uh quite a big tour for you. Yeah, uh, punchy. How, how how did it make you feel after that? All right, like. Uh... I'm I'm quite resilient, and in the moment you don't really realise things. Um, it's only it's only when you when you look back and if you actually take the time to to deep reflect on things that you will actually think about things. But I tend to not, I tend not to do that. Um, I'm too busy elsewhere, um, and I can see like. Like the suicide rate when we when we got back from the tours, so we've we've lost pretty much just as much men as we did out there to suicide, yeah. um, and that's just a common theme across across the military. Um, and I think it's the inability to express emotions um, in men because of the stigma, um, whereas like. The old, I know we refer to the old days, but the old uh, classic man up. Um, that's why that's why people are not willing to talk about their feelings, and when somebody does talk about their feelings, they're they're outcasted straight away. Yeah, and, and I, I think I think that's I think that's um, with everything that's going on um, in society today, it's I think it's making it a bit harder for men as well because you know we don't. You, <laughs> I don't want to get down into this sort of discussion because, yeah. but you know, one minute you, 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 you don't know whether to talk about it or not, or next minute, because next minute you're getting, you know, you're taking away the, the problems from the, the other gender and stuff like that. Um, and the fact that we've got a seven, you know, 75% of all suicides is male, hmm. you know, there's not enough being done, but, you know, it's 
all men at the moment and that type of thing. And you can't, it's like, well, you know, I don't want to talk about my problems because I'll get shut down because it's not as bad as your problems type thing. And that's the problem. And it's like people compare themselves to others and they think, yeah. oh, what I'm going through is nowhere near as bad as what John next door is going through. So why am I feeling this way? Or why why I shouldn't be sad? I shouldn't be feeling depressed. I shouldn't be doing this. And and that's where it just goes into a vicious circle where they just hide it more and more and more till they can't take it anymore. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I've only just started properly talking about uh, my mental health um, over the last year or so from yeah. from back when I was a civvy. Um, and it's quite funny, actually, me and my son had a, a and, and my boy's mum, we, we, we both talked to him about our, both our mental health uh, issues, um, actually, this morning in the car, in fact. Yeah. Um, so our son's aware, you know, how much he understands is another thing, but he's aware that we both have suffered it for yeah. different reasons. Um, so maybe if he sees us talking about it, if he has some dramas, then maybe he'll open up to us. Fingers crossed. Yeah, well, I, I, I come from a from a line of mental health anyway, so my... My parents have, and my uh, my family tree pretty much, um, all have severe cases of mental health, and I think that's why I've been so resilient, uh, so resilient to it, and um, managed to just stay level-headed for for so many years. Um, it's only when I, I I started seeing people around me. Um, actually being affected and like we're going to because we're there now um i i never thought that i could experience mental health because i'd i'd seen it all um and it's only through pain that that i now see this is where this is where men downplay it like um, now, see, I got two weeks ago. I got diagnosed diagnosed with depression and anxiety um, by the doctor through pain. Now, whilst I can sit there and say that yeah, I'm not, I'm not depressed. I'm got anxiety. There's got to be some truth in that for a doctor to be telling me. Um, and the, the only reason is, 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 I know I'm downplaying it, but the, the pain has turned my world around. Yeah. Like, I was speaking to my neighbour earlier on, um, and he was asking, what are you going to do when you leave? And I sat there and I thought, and like, I was like, I'm like a magpie. I change my mind every single day because I know I can't work because mornings are right off. My attacks are just fucking horrible but i haven't yet accepted the fact that i've lost my i've lost everything i am um to even think about a new career um and when i when i got sent home from the army i've been home now a year i got dismissed from dcmh because they said it's all pain based and once you once you solve your pain then then there'll be no um sadness or anything like that but what they didn't realize is i've been home a year um, on my own 
unable to do anything, in pain. So what that's done is it's brought onset of feeling of low self-worth because who the fuck am I? Like, where do I go? And this is where the run-in has, has, yeah, yeah. has come in massively, really, because if it wasn't for my run-in and, and stuff, then, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite difficult because, because of the attacks and the pain. I don't know what the future holds. Like, obviously, we, we've all got outgoings. I've got a house, I've got a daughter, I've got a wife. I lose my salary. I've been, I've been a sergeant for nearly 10 years. So I'm on 42 grand a year. I lose that. And yes, they can, they can pay me off, right? And I'll, I'll be, I'll get my pension and stuff like that. But that, that's short term. Like, what, what do I do moving forward? Do you know what I mean? I've, I've still got a nine-year contract, at least in the army. or I did have till 2029. So I think looking, if, if, if looking back, it's, it gets me it gets me down because I'm not who I used to be. Um, definitely high flying, going places, but because of the attacks and stuff, I'm just just come to a dead end. And looking forward gives me fucking anxiety because I'm like, what the hell am I gonna do? How am mm-hmm. I gonna survive? So I think it's a it's a broad subject where I need to sit and and come to terms with the fact that I've lost um where I was, I just and just find a new way forward. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm in I'm in that space at the moment of of um, yeah coming to terms with things and trying not to to dwell on the past and worry about the future and just focus on on what I can do. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean while we're on it, then we might as well talk about what. So in February this year, you were diagnosed with what they call suicide disease. Do you want to explain what exactly what that is? Yeah. So essentially. Um, from the attacks, the left-hand side of my face is dead anyway, so permanently numb. So when you go to a dentist and have a jab, that's what my left-hand left-hand side of my face is like. So you may know you may notice I overpronunciate words like P's and F's because um, I had to learn to speak again. And um, but because of the operations, the trigeminal nerve that runs from the mandibula in the jaw to three, it's got three branches: one to the eye, one to the cheek and one to the jaw, um, is sending wrong signals to the brain. And essentially what it's doing is once it sends a wrong signal, it sends electric shocks into my cheek, up into my eye, through to my brain. And these electric shocks are like nothing you've ever experienced. Um, and they're in your face. Um, and they call it a suicide disease because 25% of men um, who have this disease, or not men, 25% of people um, who have this um, actually can't take the pain anymore and actually choose to end their lives. Um, so, yeah, it's been a battle since February for to try and fight. Because of my previous operations, um, the only cure for this would be uh, to have brain surgery where they cut a... Uh, incision into your brain. I say incision, it's a massive scar into your brain and they like put a block between the nerve. But because of my previous operations, I can't have that. And they, they found no, um, on my on my CAT scan, they found no compressions on, on the nerve. Um, it's just damaged. Um, so it's pain blocking tablets for me. So for the last 
couple of months since February, since I've been home. I've been on six different batches of medication. Now, the thing is with medication for nerve is that they are antidepressants. Now, whilst I didn't have any mental health issues mm-hmm. or anything like that, um, these antidepressants, nerve compressants, um, sent me batshit crazy. Like I was on massive highs, massive lows. I'd have mood swings. And I think that, that this is where stem from is the medication. So this this anxiety and depression is definitely from the medication um, and the pain. Um, I was on one particular brand, uh, metazapine, and I couldn't take it anymore. So I had to withdraw. And I'm, I'm not shitting you when I say this. It was like a heroin, with, heroin withdrawal. I was shitting blood. I was shaking. I was sweating. It was horrible. And for three days, I literally had to fight myself from not taking another tablet to stop stop the withdrawal of symptoms. Um, so, yeah, I've, I'm now on two batches. Um, they've combined two. I'm on carbamazepine, which is like a slow-releasing um and i'm on a thousand milligrams a day so i start yeah i started off on on a hundred and i used to have a tablet cutter and i'd cut up i'd have 50 milligrams in the morning 50 milligrams in the night now i'm on a thousand a thousand a day for the rest of my life oh um and i'm also on um duloxetine which again is a a drug they use for um antidepressants, happy pills. Um, But because of its nerve compressant components in it, when you combine the two, they just knock me for six. Like in the morning, I can't think straight. I'm fuzzy. Um, Good thing is, though, um, I haven't had an attack since last Friday. So, and I started these tablets two weeks ago. Mornings are right off, and that's why... I'm struggling to find what I'm going to do because I can't fucking have a civvy job that I'm going to be wrought off in the morning, operating machinery, try, trying to drive to work, um, just doing anything in general. Um, it takes me till about 11 o'clock. So if I can find a, a job that works nights or afternoons, then I'll be, I'll be good to go, Hank. Yeah, try not to keep taking it out on your microphone, though. I know, yeah. <laughs> keep doing it. Um, so when you're running... How do these medications affect your running at all? Yeah. So first thing that it does is it stops me running. So I know we all have dips in discipline. Um, well, not you because you're on a, a thousand day streak. But <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it certainly affects my um, my will. I won't say motivation because motivation is bollocks. It, yeah, it yeah. comes and goes. But it certainly affects my my will to actually be bothered to go out, even though I know it's going to do me a world of good. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is when I'm out, if it's early mornings, then it takes me about 25 minutes maybe to to actually think clear and actually get into the run. Um, and yeah, pre these two tablets, I, I did used to have attacks when I was running. Um, so if I if I'd be running, I'd have an attack on the side of the on the side of the uh, track or road. There's nothing I could do about. It. I just have to wait for it to pass. So when was the last time you cried? Uh, the attack last Friday. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's, it's horrible. Um, yeah, it's bring you to your knees pain. Um, so when I stub my toe now, I just laugh it off. I could stand on Lego all day. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, it's sort of making me emotional just talking about it. Um, right. We'll move on. We'll stick with it, obviously, in the army and stuff. Did you carry on your sports within the army? Yeah, so um, jumping back in, I I jumped in back into boxing because obviously I missed it when I was a when I was a civvy. Is that why you got a fucked nose, or was that why? Yeah. You oh no, the off the no, floor? that's <laughs> that's um that's from being on the piss, uh, um, and that's what the reason I am drunk for about four years. Um, so yeah, I did a bit of boxing and spent a bit of time in a boxing team, but then. Opportunity come around for, I was always into fitness anyway, um, and I never really had any races, done any races, but I was always fit. I'd, I'd done my PTI course when I come back from Iraq the second time. Um, and then in 2009, the opportunity came up to go out and do the Comrades Marathon. Um, now, I'd never done a 5K, a 10K, a half marathon, a marathon, but to qualify for the comrades, for, for you guys that don't know, the comrades is um, the ultimate human race. It's 56 miles over the Drakensberg Mountains in South Africa, and they alternate it. So one year they'll do from Durban to St. Peter's Maritzburg, which is down, uh, wrong, which is up, and the other way is down. So i done it from St. Peter's Maritzburg to Durban. They say that not down because it's negative down. They've got a cut off, and once you've once that uh, twelve hour cut off is is there, they just close the stadium and everybody goes home. We don't even get a medal. They send trucks out to pick you up. Um, so I had to do a, a marathon to qualify, and because I bucked onto this thing last minute, um, I had to go out to Rotterdam um, and do the Rotterdam marathon. <laughs> now being the this was my first ever race. I didn't have a clue. And I completed, I think I posted a couple of weeks ago on Instagram, my my timings for the Rotterdam Marathon. I completed the first, um, the, the so there's eight 5Ks. I've completed the first seven in like three hours. Um, and then the last one, so I, I, was, I was clocking 20 minutes of 5K. And then the last 5K took me 51 minutes. You, you, um, you, you hit the wall big time at 23 miles. Massively. <laughs> and I had four hours to get in to qualify to be able to compete in the human race. And I done it in 3.51, I think. And I walked like the, whole, the last, I can't even remember, the last six 6K, I think it was. Um, so, yeah, that was an eye-opener. Um, so when I went and done the Comrades Marathon 2009, no training, no clue of running. Um, again, I think my longest run was like 10 or 11 miles. Um, by the time I got to to 25 miles, it was just a grizz and a mental game. But I managed to complete it. I'd done it in 10, 10 hours, 26, I think it was. What was it, 10.51? Might have been 10.51. Um, and got away, got away, come away with a medal. And that was it that started... I started the the ultra, the ultra game for me. Then from there in two thousand nine. So going back to your first race, the Rotterdam Marathon, all right? 
obviously you're well aware that you uh, you nailed the first 23 miles um, in basically what three hours and looking back on it now knowing what you know now although you were consistent do you realize you may have been a bit too fast to finish at that pace through I, I didn't have a clue oh I didn't take yeah, a but gel now, now yeah, looking yeah. back at it now oh do you, know, do you know what like I didn't have a gel I didn't yeah. I didn't have any structure um there was no way I was I was going to finish even if I slowed it down now 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 you can look back even if I'd slowed it down like by 15 seconds a mile then I would have finished in like 320 but instead yeah there, there was there was no way but um there was nobody there that's the thing like now now there's so much out there like information wise that you can oh yeah yeah that you can gain from like going on YouTube um TikTok anything like that you can gain and get a training program. Like I just went there thinking I was the dog's bollocks because I was fit in battalion. He's not the first and he won't be the last. <laughs> done that, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, but what was the Rotterdam marathon like? This, obviously apart from obviously bunking at uh, 23 miles and crawling across that line, I know how that feels. What was the actual app? atmosphere and all that sort of it stuff. was amazing it was immense it was a late start um if i remember rightly it was an 11 o'clock start and new new bbo didn't didn't have a clue i was wearing a vest didn't put any sun cream on by the time i finished i was crisped but i'd say pound for pound rotterdam um has been the biggest supported marathon i've ever done um, in 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 like in comparison to other ones I've done since, yeah. um, the the atmosphere, the support, pretty much like I felt, I felt pretty much all the way there was support as, um, and it's not a major, it's not a major marathon. No, no, that, no. Um, but yeah, if it, it pretty much it pretty much felt like all the way that there were supporters out the whole time. I mean, I I love Rotterdam. I I I've been there a couple of times for run ashore with with work. And it's a it's a it's a bonkers place. Yeah, uh, it is a bonkers place. I remember we arrived on a sun. Well, we arrived on the Sunday, and we went out. And most places were closed. Most, you know, it's a Sunday night. But there was this place called the Ski Hut, right? And it's just a bar. And we went in there, and it was just nice and quiet. But they were serving beer, so that was all we wanted was a beer, like you know, after a long, long day of coming alongside and stuff. And the music change from nice and relaxing to suddenly you've we, it was playing happy hardcore <laughs> right <laughs> and everyone's on top of the top of the tables you know jumping about going nuts there's women on top of the bar dancing like our coyote ugly and then it go <laughs> then it changed again into oompa loompa music you know the oompa 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 sort of, I know, Dutch music, I suppose, if you want to call it that. It's really bizarre. And then it would go into rock and then it back into happy alcohol. It's really strange. And we, <laughs> by the time we left at like two, two, two o'clock in the morning, <laughs> you know, on a Sunday, so it's now Monday morning, two o'clock in the morning, we come past and someone's left a sofa outside the house. We're, we're taking this sofa back to the ship. <laughs> yeah. 
three piece sweet. Oh, we'll get us back. Fucking hell. Oh, it's it's absolutely crazy. I love it. And I, I really enjoyed running around there as well. It's a beautiful place to run. Yeah. Um, but I've not raced there. Yeah, it's pan flat as well. Yeah. Well, most of most of Holland yeah. is yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's mostly underwater. Yeah, um, the bri- the bridges, that's the only hills you got. Well, this is it. Um and obviously you mentioned comrades being your first ultra. Yeah. Um, what was that like? Obviously an eye-opener. Yeah, massively. Like, obviously I'd never... This was my second event, and it was in the space of... So I'd run the Comrades, and then three weeks later was... Uh, I'd run the Rotterdam Marathon, and then three weeks later was Comrades. Yeah. Um, I'd never experienced, like, an event. And the Comrades is... I'm, I'm going to put it out, I think it is officially the, the world's largest ultramarathon. Um, and I think when I run it, it was like 13,000 people. Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah. It's got to um, be up there, isn't it? Yeah, I think, I, think, I think I've seen somewhere that it's the world, think, like now, it's the world's largest ultramarathon. Yeah, I don't think even UTMB has that, that, that amount on, on race day. It has yeah. a few thousand, but... Yeah, so that like... <laughs> I was saying this to someone as well, like when I was about 42 miles in, um, two women in their 40s um, and not small, passed me like I was stood still. And they were like, how, how old are you, boy? <laughs> I was like, I was 24. You're way too young to be doing this. <laughs> you want to wait till at least 35 off the pod and I'm in turbo. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> but yeah, what an experience. Thousands and thousands of people. You're never alone. Um, people on the side of the roads like support giving you yeah. salt, uh, salted bananas and potatoes and showers, uh, shower sprinklers all the way. And then when you come into the stadium at the end, truly magnificent. And like you hang about them for the cutoff. What, what, what a mental, like at, at 12 hours, they just literally just, Close the finish line. Yeah, and literally, literally if, if you go onto Google, onto YouTube, and type in uh, Comrades Marathon 2009 finish or any year finish, we're there. I'm not even shitting it when I say there was a guy about three meters away from the finish, and they just like, nah, no medal. Yeah. Just close the finish line. I'm like, fucking brutal. Aye. But then you sign up for that. That's what you expect, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you, know, you can't really complain about it. Yeah. It's like it's like entering the the, the Barkley marathons over in, in America, yeah, and then, and then complaining that you're like <laughs> ten seconds out of touching that yellow gate. You know, <laughs> it is it is it is the rules, and you know you should read them before you sign it. <laughs> like yeah. Um, okay, so moving on from from there, you obviously your running's expanded and stuff like that. And you re- you recently raced and you did. Apart from obviously being overtaken and getting lost or whatever, <laughs> you know, going from second or whatever it was down to fifth. Um, all things considered, you had a really good race, didn't you? Yeah. So I knew going into the, uh, so my latest race was a Gower Trail race. I knew going in that, and I, I harp on about this all the time now about mindset. Um, the race previous was an ultra, but the race before that, um, I went in with the mindset that I wasn't going to be beaten. And this was a trail half marathon. Um, and when you go into something with the mindset so strong, it's hard. Like if you put in the training, 
you've know you've put the work there's obviously going to be pe- people that are better than you that's that's understandable but like if you can give yourself the best possible chance by having that mindset of nobody's going to beat you or you're going to run your perfect race like literally what you what you what you sell yourself or what you tell yourself will come true and when i when i use this um this mantra in this marathon half marathon I, I i won by by a long way and i was like wow there's something here like this and like there was guys there that had run 100 marathons he was um he was he just finished his 100 marathon um on a bounce so these guys are like, and I'm like, wow, there's something here. So when it comes to this last race, I went in knowing that if I'd practiced what I'd done in training with nutrition and everything like that, that it'd be hard for me to be beaten. But the only big thing is because of this medication, and I'm this is going to sound like excuses because uh, I'm an infantry platoon sergeant, I got lost, but... Um, when it comes to the medication, I find it hard to make decisions now. Like, whereas before, decision-making was instant, in- instantaneous and snap, and there was, there was no, no overthinking. Now, because of the medication I'm on, it takes me a lot longer, for some reason, to, to come to a decision. It's fucking mental. Like, and I'd wrecked this route. That's, that's the mad thing. Like, a couple of weeks previous, I'd been were, down. Were you allowed a support crew? No. No, no. Um, would you think? Would you now just thinking about this? And I'm trying to work, just like thinking about how you could be helped. Obviously, with your decision, yeah. entering events where you can have a support crew. Yeah, they make the decisions for you. I yeah. when you're going to take on food, all that sort of stuff. So all you've got to think about, yeah, is running, yeah. And that's the thing. It's like. Because it's such a, an unknown space, this this trigeminal neuralgia, this brain disorder, that like when it when it was coming coming to crucial. Now we may, looking back on reflection, it may not have been as as bad as I thought it it was. Like the when it comes to crucial points where you'd think, right, I've got a decision, you know, there's a coastal path, and there's there's fucking three ways, right? There's no markings. I've got a map. I've got a map of Owen. I might as well be staring at Batco. Genuinely. Like, I've got a map. I've got a compass. But you might as well have put Batco in front of me and gone, there you go, Lee. Get some Batco. That's exactly how you're going to work out your race. Because when I come to a junction, I'm like... Hey, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even have your brain disease, and I still have that issue sometimes. <laughs> but, yeah, so, like, uh, it come to crucial points, and I'd, I'd be like, oh, I'll go this way. And three out of five times, I was wrong. And I'd go up, and I'd, like, lock down, and I'd see people below. I'm like, ah, oh, for yeah. God's sake. So it ended up turning a 22-mile race into a marathon. <laughs> and I finished. I was winning. I was winning all the way until uh, uh, about... 10k from the end, I said, I say, but I ended up running a marathon. And when I finished, the guy that eventually won the race was shocked because when he saw me come in, he was like, I didn't know I've won. He was like, I thought you were in first. He said, You were well in front. I said, Yeah, I got lost, man. I was running around like a lunatic in a, in a farmer's field. <laughs> uh, I am so close to just. 
quit in. I, I watched yeah. that. What's up? My wife was waiting to finish. I was like, I'm fucking sacking this. You can come pick me up from, um, from Oxwich Bay because I can't be asked. Like, I just can't make, I can't seem to find the right track. I, I just, do you know was, what? I, I don't have your issues, but my last race, I felt exactly the same though. Yeah. It, it didn't go my way. Uh, the weather was fucking horrendous for five hours. It was a storm. Yeah. I, I And because you weren't allowed to sit down apart from when you have a medical treatment, like a massage, or you're going for shit. Right? That was the what? only times you could sit down. What's this, basic training? Yeah, basically. <laughs> so, because I, I could use the toilets for a shit, yeah. I went to sit down for like 10 minutes just to have a rest. Yeah. Um, and at one point, I'm like, I think it was about three o'clock in the morning. I'm literally hands hands over my eyes, thinking, you know, going over my life choices. <laughs> and I text the wife who's, 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 who's gone, you know, she went off to my parents, you know, to sleep. Can you come pick me up? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, wait there. Did she did did she give you the same response my wife gave me? My, I got no response because even though she told me her phone was going to be on, she never she never fucking replied. So, I mean, so, in a way, it worked. Yeah. yeah. Well, my, yeah. mine mine was like, come on, don't be stupid. She's like, you you've got this. Just even if even if you don't finish where you wanted, you're not quitting. I'm yeah, not. and that I think that. It was the same for me on that race. It, it wasn't how I planned the race. Yeah. But I got, I finished it. I crossed the line and became a finisher. Yeah. Uh, you know, despite everything. And yeah, it's know. mad. It's mad enough how in that little moment, like you can convince yourself to quit. Now I've experienced this. <laughs> so I was on a course, a military course. Um, and it was my second attempt. And the first time I'd got injured, um, this course is—I I won't, I won't say what it is—but it's in Brecon. Is there is there a TV show about it? By the there may be, yeah. All right, okay. So I was on—I was on the second second attempt, and the fitness was was nothing. I was literally, um, I was smashing it. So I was pretty much first in um, every every test, let's say. Um, and then it came to the last but one test, and I convinced myself that I wasn't going to pass a further um, check that we were going to do on like your, your clearances. Um, the reason for this was dodgy websites you'd be watching. Yeah, yeah. So the, the the reason for this was like my past finances. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. My fam, my family at the time were in some. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Um, my mum, um, with mental health and stuff. So yeah. I convinced myself that I wasn't going to pass this this security. And like, I had one one test left, and um, I got to the the guy that runs the course, like halfway around this this test, and I was like, I'm done. And he's like, The fuck are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? I was like. I'm done. He's like, what do you mean you're done? You've got 10k left to the end. I was like, done. And he was like, you fucking mad. 
I'd convinced myself that I wasn't yeah. going to pass. So in my head, I was like, right, I'm not going to pass. So what's the point? I got on the bed foot, got back to camp, drove back to Tidworth, bawling my eyes out, signed off and got out of the army. I got out for a year. Mad. Like how you can convince yourself in that yeah. split second to... You're not worthy enough, yeah. No, now, obviously, I've, I'm more aged, more experienced. Like, this was 2014. But it still happens, though. Oh, of course it does. But, like, now, if it was to happen and I had this mindset, it'd be you get to the end and then you you let destiny fucking decide. You, you don't quit. There's no way you will stop. Back then, it was like, bam, gone, quit. Yeah. Um, so I've been there. I know exactly what that mindset's like. Um, and whilst everybody has an opinion on when people attempt this this certain course, yeah. my my reflection from everybody is like, oh, he's going to fucking nail it. So when I come back, people were like, the fuck happened? And I just went, fucking hell, I'm not worthy. You click, seven clicks to heaven, see you later. And I got out. Ended up setting, ended up setting my own business. Bonkers. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> no. So let's move on and let's talk about your group that you set up, uh, Vet I Run. Let's have a little bit of a chat about that. Explain what so that back end of 2019, I think it was 2019, um, I'd seen uh, that there was a push on social media for like, it wasn't, it wasn't UK veterans, but it was like um, this, they just finished this 22 precepts for 22 days. Now this, this circulated back in 2016, but for some reason it was circulating back around again. It was. Yeah. Yeah. And now when we're running, you know yourself that I come up with some crazy ideas when I'm running, like I've my wife's business that she she's running now. I, set up off the back off and I an idea when I went for a run. Um and I was sick and tired at this point of seeing people struggling with no um no support network. So when I when I was out running I was like what can I do that can benefit people where I can pass on knowledge experience and and open up a so I came up with vet I run. Um, it's a play on words for veteran. Um, and obviously, you're a vet and you run. Um, but I set up this See what you did there. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. So it's, well done. And so like one, one of the guys that I was working in a careers office at the time, and I was trying to come up with a design, and he's from the RAF. Um, and we'll, we'll let him off. Yeah, yeah. Somebody's got to be. Yeah. Um, but top guy, and he's like a, into his graphics designs. And he came up with with a design which I think is by far one of the best running designs that I've seen in regards to the message it's got because of the actual um, messages sending with the the running the uh, Great Britain and obviously the Vet I Run. So essentially, what Vet I Run is we're we're a Facebook group uh, whereby we promote positive mental health and well being through fitness, whether that's walking, whether that's hiking, whether that's running, whether that's cycling, swimming, you name it, we promote it. And um, 
I set up a group with, and then somebody else jumped on board with me, Glenn. And we've got nearly 3,000 members now, and it's been like that for the last year, no, no increase in members. But what it is, is a massive support network for people to um, rant, for people to seek support, advice, uh, running advice, job, not jobs. There is like advice uh, just in general. Um, and to keep it the engagement, I run competitions. Um, we've got a park run club where people can be a, a, a member. So essentially, my aim is to run events over the throughout the UK, whereby um, this community can come together um, and actually take part in fitness because. Like for you, fitness and running for me is medicine. Now, any shit day can be can be made better by. Uh, there's no such thing as a as a shit run. Like when you get back from any run, you you feel amazing. So, if I can express that to other people and educate them along the way, then then I'm think I'm going down the right path. Yeah, and you know. I, 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 I've, oh, I've already seen that and obviously I, I'm, I've, uh, you invite me into the group and I've, I've seen that through other groups since I've been in there. Um, so obviously if there's any veterans watching this that ha doesn't know about it, go find it, uh, come join in. Uh, I know there's loads out there um, that probably didn't even know about it. So yeah, get on it. Um, future races. Got any? Yeah. So I think everybody's pipe dream is, uh, especially if you're a trail runner, as UTMB. Um, and obviously, it's a point system. So the plan would be to qualify for UTMB by doing races. But it's, it's difficult at the moment. And it was like COVID and um, and trying to get races in the in the plat in the book. Like that's going to score enough points that doesn't sell out stupidly quick like the arc of attrition sold out like before it was even sold um so it's finding finding yeah, these yeah. key races for me to yeah. yeah to enable me to qualify with a point system um for utmb um i don't want to do marathon de sabs as as fancy as it's it's because for the price of marathon de sabs i can do 53 ultras in the uk um so utmb is is the big one for me um and i think the next few years is going to be projected towards um ccc um just heading head into utmb and i don't want to go out and and complete i want to be top 10 brit um so it's going to be a long grind um, and when I say top 10 Brit, I'm going to be 40 in, in a few years. So by the time I get to UTMB, I mean top 10 over 40. Well, look at Damien Hall. He managed to get in the top top five. Um, you know, that was his goal. And he, you know, age is much different to what exactly. you were when you were out there. So it's it's doable with the mind frame and like training and support, I suppose. Um, right, we'll head into the quick fire 10 rounds. Um so, first question, your favourite running brand? Uh, at the moment, Reebok. 
Okay, want to explain that? Why is Reebok? Why Reebok? So, at this point, so if we went back eighteen months, it'd be Asics. Now, I'm quite unlike other running YouTubers because I won't pay the prices. I've got these. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Carbon X's, and they're my most expensive shoe. Um, and yes, they serve a purpose and they're amazing. I like a fucking bargain. <laughs> and I used to run in Asics Gel Pulse 9 and I had three pairs and they were my daily trainer. And whereas everybody has like, especially now, the, the go-to will run a pair for uh, speed, a pair for this, a pair for that. But I have one pair <laughs> apart from them. Um, and I, I use Asics Gel Pulse for a long time. Now I've got Reebok Float Ride 3. And I'm not even joking when I say that I've got four pairs of them. And because of my wife's defense discount card, I get 35% off. So they cost me £47. Um, and for that, I use them for everything. I use them for easy days. I use them for speed. I use them, like, even on light trail, I'll use them. Um, and they are my my go-to. So, yeah, Reebok. And funny enough, I run Comrades in a pair of Reeboks that I'd, I'd bought from <laughs> from a charity shop. Nice. Um, okay, which what's your favorite bit of kit you like to carry with you all the time, no matter whether it's a short ways or long ways or whatever? Um, headphones. Um, yeah, I've got um, or aftershocks. Um, a lot of races won't let you in into, um, especially if it's a road, uh, yeah. but they're basically bone conducting headphones. Favorite snack on them. Got to be a pan of chocolate. A, a pan of chocolate. Nice. Yeah. Favourite place you've ever run? So I'd done in 2011, I run from Spain to France. Um, what, just across the board? Literally just jumped across Yeah, the yeah, just like 10 metres and I was like, <laughs> you done, yeah. <laughs> no, so it was a staged event over three days and I run from Lerette de Mar uh, to Port Beau. Um, I'm probably butchering that. Uh, B-O-U uh, your, 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 your language skills are spot on mate I think yes Popo, I've got that nailed but essentially it was um, a three day event over the coastal path yeah. not a road in sight and it was absolutely beautiful like breathtaking every single step of the way and um, I, I showed you a picture the other day that I'd done it in army issue trainers yeah nice <laughs> I, I told you I'm a budget man. I'd love a bargain. So yeah, yeah. there weren't no no pony white pencils, mate. You they were, actually, they you weren't. No, they were trainers. PT zero threes. Yeah. Um, have you ever raced on the Southwest Coastal Path? Um. You know where the Southwest Coastal Path? Yeah, is? yeah. I'm trying to think if I have. Not raced. You've run Not, it. I've run it. Yeah. Is. Is there any races you'd like to do on the southwest coast of Path that you you fancy giving a smash? Oh out? yeah, so like like I just said to you now, the the arc of attrition is right up there for me. If I can get entry into the arc of attrition, that that would be that would be a goal. Um, but then like I, I seen you and um, Lloyd done done one a couple of weeks ago, so I'd like to. And my mates just moved down there as well, down to Cornwall. Um, so I'd like to get down there and, and actually do. 
do some events down there for sure. Yeah, you need to, mate. You need to hook it up. There's some fantastic races down there. Yeah. Um, and obviously the pasties are spot on. Um, if you could run with anyone dead or alive, who would you run with? I'd probably go with... Uh, I'd probably go with Damon Hall. Nice. Um, just because of the, the story. As long as, you, as long as you're happy to carry a letter bag with you, so you can, <laughs> as he picks it up, you can carry it. Yeah. Um, is there anyone that inspires you? Ooh. Um, I'd like to say everyone, but uh, no one in. <laughs> I can't think of, of one specific person, though. Okay. Have you ever run in London, Marathon? No, I've never got in. I've tried seven times. So it is a race that you would like to do. Just yeah, to... I would. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, your Six Nations prediction. France. Good shout. Good shout. Although I did feel we were a little bit unlucky against South Africa. Yeah. Today. It was a good game. Did you watch it? I'm, I'm going to get a hit for that, being, being Welsh. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's, that's one thing, you know, a proper rugby fan will always still, regardless, will say who's the best team at the moment and I, I would go with France as well. Okay, and last but not least, Tom Jones, legend or no? Yeah, legend. 100% legend. Yeah. Absolute legend. 100% legend. Vegas once. No. Yeah, yeah, we were in San Diego so we took a road trip up to um, Las Vegas, as you do, because you had some time off the ship and he was playing so we had to go see him. But one of the lads, one of the lads' uh, dad knew him so he wrote a letter saying, "Dear Tom, it's uh, John's son. Is there any chance that we can, you know, we and the lads are off HMS Newcastle? Any chance we'd go see you later uh, after the show?" He he wrote a note back, come from his security guard, right? He was like, "No," and he was like, um, "Sorry, lads, I'm busy. All this, I've got to shoot off. All this. So give my love to Wiggy, which was his dad's nickname, and he didn't write that, so he obviously knew." You know, so we're like, "Well, we'll take that." He was, a, he's a freaking legend. He is, yeah. Um, so that's the 10 quickfire questions done. Any advice for a beginner? I'd say um, your, your beginning is, is not somebody... Your, your, how do I put it across? What was the saying I said to Josh? So basically, don't compare yourself to other people. Um, I was trying to say some cool thing that I'd said to one of the boys, but um, essentially by comparing yourself to anybody else, um, where you are in the journey is not where they are. So that could lead you to doing everything tits up. So you could go too hard. You could train wrong. Um, so just take your journey as, as your journey and never compare yourself to others, like the progression, like some, some people I'll progress quicker and other people, other people who progress quicker to me. If I take that and take it on board and think I need to be working harder because he's progressing quicker, then that's a recipe for disaster. So yeah. And yeah, enjoy it. It's your journey. Nobody else is. Yeah. I think, I think you're right there. A lot of people make mistakes, especially with social media nowadays of comparing, 
you know, their progress to somebody else that they know without real, re, realizing or knowing the full depth of what that other person is doing to get where they're going. Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah, it'll obviously hinder people. I always say, you know, the only person you compare yourself to is yourself. As, exactly. As and there's some, as long as you're better than the day before. Exactly. And there's, there's so much information out there now on, on the internet. I know, I know you're going to find, um, some crap but like if you if you don't know what you're doing just do some research like it it's ask yeah just ask just people ask, ask people i mean yeah. i know you know i've i've even asked you know big big known runners you know like sally mccray and stuff like that i've sent them messages and they've been happy to reply back you know yeah just ask you know people don't be scared to ask questions um everyone starts them somewhere you know and yeah, keep off the foam rollers. Um, <laughs> if people want to follow you, uh, where can they find you? So head over to Vet I Run. Um, the group, not the page. Uh, the page is pretty much inactive, but head over to the group. And I'm on YouTube. I've got um, a running YouTube, which is Pursue Purpose, or uh, Vet I Run, which is a podcast channel, but will be up and running in the near future it's just because of the medication and stuff. I just haven't done anything lately, but um, yeah, those two places. So vet I run on YouTube or pursue purpose. Um, I'm sure Owen leave a links in the, in the description anyway. And then mm-hmm. um, Strava um, I'm on there, but I don't post. So it's private. So there's no point. Yeah. Um, I'll, yeah. I'll leave the links down. Um, obviously um, I met you through the, the, the beautiful world of TikTok. Um, that's how, oh yeah, I'm on. I'm on. That's how we found you. Um, yeah, I'm on TikTok. Vet I run as well. Yeah, uh, TikTok and Instagram. He's on. He's on them. So I'll drop the links. Um, but for the podcast, mate, that's pretty much it. It's been wonderful to chat to you. Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna lie, you almost made me cry earlier. <laughs> well, it's I just it upsets me, you know, hearing yeah. people's stories and stuff and. Yeah, it's it's, dif- it's difficult to take it's sometimes. Not, it's yeah. Not, yeah, and it's not a lot when I can't do anything to help. People can't, know? and that's the thing, isn't it? Do you know I me? Mean? But like this, this, this now. So, engagement-wise, this is the only engagement that I really get now because, yes, I'm home with my family, but I've been pretty much self-isolating. Um, apart from out running with with Josh now and then, but yes, yeah, it's, it's really really good to to socialize and and do this kind of things. And if I can spread the message that like, just because things seem outside, okay on the outside, that nine times out of 10, a smile is hiding some fucking pain that you don't even know. Yeah. I mean, I, and up until obviously you, I've never heard of uh, the suicide disease. So if there's anyone listening or watching this, please do don't be afraid to reach out. Um, and maybe get into contact with Lee or yeah, I'm all welcome. It. Um, you know, so you know you're not alone with this pain. Um, and obviously, I'm here to to chat to anyone. I'll chat shit to anyone, um, especially on a run. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, it's been brilliant, Lee. Thank you very much for cheers for having me uh, on, coming on, and uh, kickstarting the next season. Um, I couldn't think of a, a better story to tell for the for this one so uh thank you very much cheers all much appreciated i'll I'll, uh i'll catch up to you after i've uh paused the recording so for now for the podcast thank you very much
Keep bashing this, don't I? <laughs> don't break it, mate. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We'll catch you all later. So that was Lee. Lee Davies. What what can I say? Um, you know, his story of his pain and everything else with his suicide disease actually upset me um, during that. I told him that. Um, I really enjoyed that chat, getting to know Lee more um, about him and his running and his and his uh, suicide disease that he has to cope with. Um, so if any of you out there that suffers with the same or um, and need a hit, you need to speak to someone like Lee or myself, and we're here to chat. Um, you know, spread awareness more of this horrible, horrible pain um, someone like me has to go through. Um, hopefully you enjoyed it. If you did, please, you know, give us a rating on uh, Apple Podcasts, stuff like that. Like, subscribe on YouTube and generally show us your support. It'd be, it would be much appreciated. It's great to be back with a podcast. And uh, for now, I'm Owen and I'm the Ultra Running Matlow. And you've been listening to If My Feet Could Talk.